I want to talk tonight about two different realms. And I've started to notice something in my own life and my own prayer time because in the last few months, I've kicked up my prayer time more. Um, I'll kind of go through these seasons where I'm praying a lot and then I'm studying a lot and then you're just busy and you're praying a little bit and you're studying a little bit. And then I'll kind of get like to this point where I'm going, ah, I feel like it's like Brother Hagin used to say, you're washing your feet with your socks on. Something just doesn't feel right, even though everything's good in your life. But you, there's more to push towards, and the Holy Spirit begins to draw you. And I'll get back to that time of more prayer in the morning and praying in the Spirit. And sometimes I kind of lose sight of why I'm praying in the Spirit, because you don't always see everything right away. But um, recently, if I kick my prayer life up, I'll have a lot of dreams again. That's what usually happens. If I stop praying, I'll just kind of have some kind of funny dreams here and there, and I'll see some stuff, but it doesn't really mean anything. But if I get back in my prayer time and I start praying in the Spirit in the morning and at night, it's like a whole world just opens up to me with people and things that are going on. And um, I had some the other night, and one of them I had the other night, and I, at this point, I'm a 95% convinced, and I'll tell you why the other 5%. The other 5%, I'm really not, it's not that I'm not convinced, it's just that people have a will in, in life. People have to make a decision. But I believe 95% of what happens in this life is what the book of Hebrews says, is that the unseen has made the seen realm. And so that it existed in the unseen before, it was spoken, and then it was brought into the scene. So the things which are seen, um, they appear. So do you have that Hebrews, I think it's Hebrews 11. By faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So the things which are seen were not made by the things which are visible. So everything that is created came from a world that is not seen. There's a book by Annette Capps that Amber gave me called Quantum Physics or Quantum Faith. It is a really good book because she actually studied quantum physics, and she was saying quantum physics is so backwards that it's like the Bible, that everything that you're, the speaking part of uh, physics is all the stuff that's actually proven in the Bible that Jesus already knew about, but scientists are now just um, finding that, that out. And so the book on quantum faith is really neat because everything in the realm of God is, is working, and it only works, you know, it works by, by sound activation, which she talks about in the book, the quartz, the sound waves that are the atoms that are always moving. They're made out of sound. And so the other night I had a dream, and I was standing with a, a guy in this church. He hadn't been here in a while. It's a good friend of mine. We grew up in this, we grew, he kind of grew up coming for a couple years. And I haven't seen him in maybe two, three, two or three years. He's living down in Orlando now. And I'm standing out on this dark night, and there's this um, kind of these huts in the water, and there's these fish swimming under, and we're standing out, and him and I are having a conversation in the dream, and I don't know what we're talking about. And in the water are spirits and animals and creatures that are swimming around, and they're dangerous. In the, around us are people. In the, the first layer of the, the heavens, because the Bible talks about there's different layers of um, the heavens, the principalities, powers, and rulers of the darkness, those are three different layers that the Bible mentions of the heavens. So the first one, there's these spirits or these creatures flying around. The second layer, bigger creatures are flying around. And then up in space, there's like these whales flying around. And these things look like ghosts. They look like demons. They look like, I mean, it was just like a lot was going on. And I'm looking at him and having a conversation with him, and I'm watching all the stuff flying around, and I'm going, what in the world is this? And I'm like, does that Spirit, see me, because he, I mean, he saw me, but he was doing something else. And I want to read something to you in the book of Daniel. Because I think I'm crazy, and then you read the book of Daniel, and you realize that all this already happened. Daniel 8.1, it says, um, I know I didn't give you this, Josh. In the third year of the reign of King Belshazzar, a vision appeared to me, Daniel, after the one that appeared to me the first time. I saw on a vision, and so it happened while I was looking I was in Shushan, and the citadel, which is the providence of Elam, I saw in the vision that I was by the river Uli, or however you say that. So Daniel's talking about he's seeing something in a vision. I'm going to go down to verse 26. And the visions of the evenings and the mornings, which were told is true, therefore seal up the vision, for it refers to many days in the future. And so I'm going to get to this where I, when I'm in my prayer time, what does Ephesians 1 and 3 say that when you're praying, he's given you, he's enlightened your understanding so that you could see what God has given you in Christ Jesus? 
that you would be, your eyes would be flooded with light so you can actually understand what is the width, the length, the depth, and height to know the love of Christ. And so God is trying to get to us revelation knowledge of the word and what Jesus did. And for me, when I spend more time in prayer, I'll have a lot of dreams at night. And three days later, I saw that person, and I ain't seen him in three years. And so he showed up at the gym. I'm working out. He walks in, and he goes, hey. I was like, hey, buddy. And um, he goes, yeah, I, uh, you parked next to my truck. I said, I said, you have a Jeep, a white Jeep. He said, no, I bought a brand-new truck, and you parked right next to it. And I walked out, and I saw the Raptor, and I said, that's got to be only one person in the city. That's Justin. So he walks into the gym, and he has a conversation with me for an hour or 30, 35 minutes, and we begin to talk. And so I started pondering. I thought, you know, that's interesting is that my prayer time, I'm praying. What does the Bible say in Romans 8, 1? You're speaking mysteries. You don't speak. Uh, he who speaks in a known language is speaking to man, but he who speaks in an unknown language is speaking to God, and he's speaking, and he's playing out mysteries in the spirit. And so like what dad says, you don't know what you're supposed to be praying about. You don't know who needs prayer. And I saw that when it happened in the dream first, then a couple of days later it came into reality. So like Hebrews said, the unseen realm creates the seen realm. So if you want something to change in your life, you're going to have to go to the unseen realm of God to change it in the spirit. One, um, the other day I was watching a repeat of Mark Hankins on my phone because I'll video him. I take a lot of videos on my phone. And everybody's always like, he's always on Instagram and posting stuff. Well, sometimes they come back as like a, a memory. And so Mark Hankins was preaching. He said, your answer is in the spirit. Your answer is in the spirit. And I'm like videoing this like two or three years ago. And I watched it and I said, that makes sense. Your answer is always in the spirit. And so Romans 8 talks, says the spirit 26 times. So your answer, you're going to have to get over into the realm of the spirit. Because what does the Bible say in Ephesians 6? You're not wrestling flesh and blood but against principalities, powers, and rulers of the darkness. And so your fight, now the 5%, people still have a will. Brother Hagen tells a story of his sister. She got cancer, and he said he used his faith to get the devil off of her. He's praying for, this is what's called the prayer of faith. So the prayer of faith is what you're doing is you're taking what is already in the word of God, what God promises belongs to you, healing, prosperity, righteousness, faith. Those are things that are already given. You don't have to pray about that. And so the prayer of faith he was saying, Satan, loose my sister in Jesus' name. Sickness and disease, get off my sister. Now, she's a baby, and she got healed. And the Lord said she'll never have, or she'll be healed from this disease. She got healed from cancer. Five years later, she got hit with another type of cancer, like a pancreatic cancer or something like that. And the Lord said, this time she will die. And he said, no, Lord, I'm going to use my faith. And he said, not this time. What was happening is he was going into the unseen realm and dealing with something that was on her. But he said, I gave her five years to get in the word. You're on the radio every day. She doesn't listen to the radio. She doesn't listen to the word. She doesn't read her Bible. I gave her five years. And he said, no, I can't do anything anymore. I gave her time. And she got hit with another disease. I mean, Satan is going to go after you. It says that our adversary, the devil, comes like a roaring lion seeking someone who he may devour. Well, of course he's going to go after Brother Hagin's family. I mean, really, the pastor's family should be in the word just because if Satan can't get the pastor, he's coming after me, my brothers, and we can do as much as we can for people in the realm of the unseen, but at some point, people have to make a decision to yield to the Holy Spirit and to pray and to get in the word and grow up. And he said the same thing with Ken, uh, Pastor Ken, will, uh, Pastor Hagen will be here, his son, um, and he gotten sick and was very ill. And he looked at his dad and said, Dad, pray for me. And the Lord said, nope, not this time. He's going to pray for himself. He said, son, pray. I knew I want, you're going to pray and talk to the Lord. You're going to use Mark eleven twenty three. And he said he sat there quiet and let his son pray. And he said he got healed and it never came back. But he, the Lord says he needs to get on his own faith now because you carried him for a while. And so what I realized is that there are times the Lord is going to send you into the realm of the unseen to deal with things. And things have recently, um, you know, you can say as much as you want to people. And I believe in speaking truth to people. The Bible says save some with compassion and then save some by the fire, hating the very garments that are defiled by the flesh. And so some people, you are going to preach truth to them. They need to hear the gospel. But sometimes you know that you can talk to somebody until they're blue in the face and they're not changing. And that's where prayer comes in, involved. And I want to talk about some different types of prayer tonight. We already talked about the prayer of faith. That's what already belongs to you. 
But um, there was a time in this church where I knew a guy, and he was kind of dipping in and out of church. And I would pray for him. And the Lord, the more I'm praying in the spirit, I just felt like the Lord said, just take authority over the devil off of him. And people were saying, well, this is why he's not coming back. And it's just all this other stuff that had really nothing to do with it. But they were telling me, and I'm thinking, oh, well, well we could fix this issue. And I, I've talked to him about this already, and I've already said this to him about it. So I don't know why he's upset about that. And um, I'm praying over him, taking authority over the devil, going into the realm of the unseen to deal with the situation. And I don't, I'm just, it's just a prompting in my spirit. It's not like I'm seeing a vision of this. I just, praying in the Holy Ghost, you get sensitive. And like Pastor said, the more you go close to God, you get the sin out, you get closer, you're going you're to feel the sensitive promptings, but you've got to follow them, and they get stronger the more you do it. So the Lord said, and I'm praying over him, Satan, you loose him in Jesus' name. You loose this person, their family. I call them back toward a life in the name of Jesus. I call them back in here. A couple weeks later, he shows back up. But before that, there was a dream. I go to him, and he's in the church, and he starts barking like a dog. There was two of them, and I walked to one of them, and I told them to get out. The other, and then him, I shook him and said, in the name of Jesus, stop it and, and get out, the spirit. And he just, like, looked at me, and he came back to his senses. Well, a few days later, he was back in church on Sunday. And so you're going into the realm of the unseen to deal with stuff because I believe that most things aren't, if people, dad was telling me a story about um, a lady that he was with, and he took authority over the devil, and when she stopped, she said, oh, my gosh. Why am I so angry? I'm not like, you know, and it was just a spirit that was on her. And so recently this happened again. As a couple months back, I had a dream of somebody I know, and a snake was following them around. And I walked up, and I told the snake that he's going to leave in Jesus' name. And in the dreams, they're kind of funny. I pulled out a six-shooter. I don't know why I had a six-shooter. And I started firing at it. Well, recently he walked up to me and said, can we spend some time together? Because I've already sent him scriptures. Like, you need to change your life. You need to change the way you're living. And, you know, and, and obviously it didn't seem like it did a whole lot of good. But then I started praying for him because I thought maybe there's a root issue somewhere else that probably has to do with shame and guilt, why people get in sin. It probably has nothing to do with the sin itself, what they're doing. But there's a root cause somewhere that I'm not seeing in the unseen realm. And that's what you're battling with people most of the time. There's something else going along the line that happened in their life or that they did or they've opened the door through and sometimes the Lord, through a dream, will tell me they opened the door through this, through bitterness, through lust, for unforgiveness, through depression, and then this creeped in, and then now it's causing, this is the, the side effect, but it's not the root issue of why they're going. And it made me have a little more compassion on people to say, Lord, let me get into prayer over somebody before I just start going at them and saying, you know, you're wrong, and you need to change your life, and you're blah, 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 and then they're just, they're not listening to you anyways, and going into the realm of the unseen, because that's where most of everything, I believe, I'm, not, I'm convinced now 95% of everything happens. Then people have their will involved, but they're going to have to make a decision at some point. But most of it is through the realm of the unseen. And so Daniel 9, we're going to go to just the next chapter. But I thought what was interesting is that anytime, so in the book of Daniel, the Lord is going to give them a prophecy. But it seems like Daniel is still going to have to do something about it. Dan 9 1. So the Lord is opening Daniel visions and dreams to show him things in the spirit. But in verse 1, he says, In the first year of King Darius, the son of Asarus, in the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood the books. And I understand the books in the number of years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah, the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. Then I set my face towards the Lord God to make a request by prayer, supplications, and fasting with sackcloth and ashes. Then I prayed to the Lord my God and made a confession and said. What's interesting about the scripture is that even though the Lord had told them, you will have 70 years that Jerusalem will be in and will be devastated and destroyed, and your people will go into exile. But the Lord was showing him that Daniel still had to, because um, Lynn Hammond said it was 72 years, two years had passed, and then Daniel's wondering why is the prophecy not coming to pass. I've done some research. Some people say it's 68. I don't really know, but even if it's before, if it happened earlier, or if it happened after, there's two things, there's one thing that happened. Daniel saw the prophecy, he understood the word of God. 
by Jeremiah, which means he was reading the book. And he said, something is supposed to change about right now. Why is it not changing? And then what does he do? He starts to pray. Why? Because God still needs your voice to do something about what is happening in the unseen realm. What happens in this church, whether we need people on the band, people in the sound, workers, it's going to happen through prayer. We're going to have to pray those people in. We're going to have to go into the unseen realm. It's not Mary Fran prophesied a lot of stuff. She told me personally, just because she prophesied something doesn't mean it will come to pass. You'll have to bathe it with faith, with prayer. Why? Because why do circumstances come? It says for sake of the word. That as soon as the word is sown, Satan will come to what? Take the word out of a person's heart. So Satan brings contrary circumstances to your life to get you to do what? Well, if he can't get you to sin, all he has to do is get you in James 1 to be wavering in your faith. Why? All it means is you have two points of reference. Any man who's wavering, who's got two points of references, he'll not, let not that man receive anything from the Lord. And so if Satan can bring circumstances that you're praying over prosperity, you're praying over finances, next thing you know, you're getting hit, you're getting with more bills, more stuff happening in your house, stuff breaks down, and you're thinking, man, I'm believing God for money. And all this stuff keeps happening. All that is to do is to get you to get off your faith, to quit. If he can get you to go, well, the word says this, but I'm having this. Because he says, what is a double-minded man? That's what he means. A double-minded man just means a man who has two points of references. I have all, everything in my life going wrong. I got bills, the truck's breaking. But I'm also standing on Luke 6, 38 that says, give and it shall be given. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Shall he cause men to give unto my bosom? The same measure that I use, he measures it back to me. So through faith in what? Patience, you inherit the promise. And the Bible says, let patience have its perfect work. So Satan is going to bring, you're praying for your family member, it's like that family member is going to go get, maybe get worse. And you're going, I started praying for them, and they just, next thing you know, they're, they're ten times worse than they were before. Because if Satan can, say, can get you to think about the circum, look at me, look at me, look at the circumstance, boom, you're off your faith. You're not believing God anymore because you're looking at this. When you were looking at the word. And so that's why James says, a double-minded man, he won't even ask and he will not receive anything from the Lord because God requires that you're single-mindedness and faith. So anytime you see trouble in your life, all it is is to get you out of faith if he can't get you to sin. Because Satan can't come in and just kill you, but what he can do is bring things in your life and, and people that would yield to him to bring the opposite of what you're believing him for. But you gotta stay in the word, what the scriptures are saying no matter what's happening. So I'll tell you another um, fun story about a young man that just, just happened today. And uh, I met him in the gym. <clears throat> Zach's out there. Zach was upset today because I didn't work out with him. But I had a reason why I wasn't working out with Zach, because I was working out with another young man. So back in January, I met Mark Hankins. And I go in the gym, and I ask the Lord, who's ready to receive the gospel? Who's hungry for the gospel? I don't care about who's not ready. I want soil that's ready for the word. So I'll sometimes sit in front of the gym and I'll pray, Lord, lead and guide all my conversations today. Uh, this is kind of those, um, I wouldn't say that if, if it be thy will, but more like James says, don't let that man say, I'll go to this city, buy and sell, for that will be sin. Just say if it's the Lord's will. So I'll be praying and I say, Lord, you already said that you, your word says that you want to save every person. But I'm asking you to lead hungry hearts to me, people that are ready. But then I'll be in the gym and I'll be working out and people that kind of light up to me or I'll just, I'll notice them, I'll go home and pray for them that night. After Mary Fran talked about she would pray for sick people and I would say, Lord, that person in the gym, I'll pray for them. Well, this started happening. I started, guys started getting saved. Um, a couple of them have walked into the church and um, one of them, the Lord kind of gave me a little more instruction on and said, um, this one I want you, well, first he told me they were saved, and I said, there's no way him and his girlfriend are saved. They were like, just, just the way these young kids, I was like, there's just no way. So anyways, find out they were saved. They do go to a church. And um, him and I became friends. We actually met in a very weird instance in the bathroom. And uh, they were taking some pre-workout, and I was like, what are you taking? And so we started talking, and him and I became friends. And we've been friends for, you know, maybe a little less than a year now. And in January, I had a dream that the Lord says, this one will come first, get them up to speed, and then his girlfriend will be second. She's going to catch the spirit of faith. They're going to catch everything. 
And so I'm like, okay, these are sometimes I have dreams, and they don't always seem to come to pass all the time, but most of them over time, um, but I saturated it with prayer because I'd see him in the gym. Lord, I pray for this person. I pray for his girlfriend. They'd receive the gospel. They'd receive the Holy Spirit. They would grow in faith. They'd catch a spirit of faith. So I'm praying over them. Because people, they have a will. They can push God off one day, and then the next day you gotta, you're praying on them again. And so, um, which is so funny enough, lately I've been praying back on him again. And I hadn't seen him in the gym. He, he doesn't always text me back. He doesn't always want to work out. I'm like, Lord, but you said to me, and your word, you told me this person was going to do this. And I'm not seeing any circumstances that he's actually even going to get filled with the Holy Spirit or anything. Half the time, he's not even at the gym anymore. So today... I was praying, and I always go when I feel led by the Spirit to go. Just, I'll be praying and studying, and when I feel like it's time to go to the gym, just something's like, oh, I'm sick of studying, it's time to go. And I, I pray in the Spirit so much that it's like God's timing is so perfect that people ask me, they go, sometimes you come in in the morning, sometimes you come in mid-morning, sometimes you come in 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They say, we never know when you're going to be here. I don't even know when I'm going to be there. Is I, I just literally, I'm, and I asked my friend one day, I said, how much of this is me and how much is him? She said, well, if you pray in the Spirit a lot, most of it could be probably more Holy Spirit than you think it is. But you're infused with him. So you're moving, all your movements are with him. Your times of the day, you're moving, where you're going. Because I want to, I've gotten past just, Lord, I'm looking today for what you want me to do today. Who do you want me to talk to? Who's ready for the word? So today I walk in, and this guy walks in right behind me. So then I said, let's work out today. So we start working out. The end, we, we talked about God for a whole hour. The end, I went into the parking lot with him. I got him filled with the Holy Ghost because he, he, he was ready. He wanted it. Then I gave him Mark Hankins' book, um, this one on faith, because I actually just happened to be reading it while I was on the treadmill, and I gave him a book because the Lord said they're going to grow in the same spirit of faith. And so he was like, so he told me this today. He said, which was so funny because I told him, I said, you know, I said, I might be kind of pushy because I, like, I love people. I'm a pastor. I said, is it weird that how much I've, like, kind of sought you out to come talk to you? He said, no, not really. He said, I think the world kind of needs more of it because people are so young. They're so back in their shell. And I said, well, I've been kind of, I said, the reason is because I said, I know that there's more for God in you, and I want to bring that out of you, and I can see it on you. And the Lord has shown me that, not that I'm trying to be weird about the Lord showed me, you know, just, but I follow when he's telling me to do something, and you just seem like that kind of person that he keeps telling, you know, he keeps putting you on my heart. And so he was like, no, I, he goes, I feel the same way. He goes, you remind me of the pastor I have at my church. He said, but the only difference is, he said, I learned more Bible with you in one hour than I have with him my entire life. Because I was like giving him scriptures, and he was just like, what? I didn't even know this was in the Bible. And, you know, we love denominational churches, but one thing he said was they say a lot of good things about God, and there's some scriptures. But he said, I don't really go away feeling like I was fed. He said, you just, you did something to me because I was giving him scripture after scripture after scripture today. And um, he was like, wow. Uh, so we, him and I t talked some more, and that was uh, the unseen realm of me praying, bringing this to pass. I don't, I try to text guys, you want to go to gym, you want to meet this time, doesn't happen. Okay, Lord, you tell, you show me in the spirit when they're going and I'm going to walk in and it happens every single time. Depends on the person. I'll go at two o'clock, three o'clock, six in the morning and I'll see somebody that I know and I'm just like, okay, Lord, this is who I'm talking to today. Because where you're sowing is usually what the harvest you're reaping and I'm sowing prayer in the gym. Lord, if there's somebody in here Lead me and bring this person to where we can talk. And it's cool how, um, you know, a lot of them have started to get born again. There's another young boy, Will. I got him saved on the leg press just about three, four weeks ago. Catholic boy, you know, and him and I were talking, and so he got born again. And a couple of his friends came the other Sunday. But I'm learning one thing, that if it's going to happen, it has to be birthed in the spirit first. It's, I mean, trust me, you can talk to people in there until you're blue in the face, and there's a lot of cold shoulders that happen. Then I stopped doing that. Like me and Lenny talk about that. It just, after a while, you're just like, okay, witnessing without the Holy Spirit is not fun because you just get a lot of rejection and people just stare at you in the face. One guy said to me, he goes, I don't understand a word you just said. And I gave him the whole cross, the resurrection. I said, it's easy as Jesus died. We were born into sin. He was raised from the dead. He took your place. And if you accept him as Lord, then, then, you, then Jesus 
is your mediator, and you'll stand before God as if you had never sinned because of Jesus. And I said, do you understand what I'm saying to you? He said, I don't understand a single word you just said. I was like, okay. This guy, we're going to have to bathe him in prayer. Because something about him, he's not getting it. And I mean, I'm, because I asked Robert, I said, is that a hard message? He said, that's an easy message. He goes, well, he said, you know, this guy's, that guy's a little messed up in the head. People talk about him. I said, no, it's in the spirit. It says there's a veil over his eyes. I said, I have to, I bathe this, well, his name's Robert. I bathe Robert in prayer and his girlfriend a lot. And I thought nothing was happening. Just, and this has been a year I've been praying over him. And the Lord will give you stuff. And it's just like you, with faith and patience, you inherit the promise so you don't quit. You don't stop praying just because you're not seeing the, the re- desired result. And so that is um, one thing the Lord started showing me about that with Daniel. Even though the prophecy, the Lord said it will come to pass, somebody still had to get down their knees and pray it through. In this church, Barbara has been praying different things, pastor. If we're going to see those things, they're going to have to be bathed in prayer. Probably some of those messages I've saved some of the prayer nights and leadership nights. They're going to have to be brought up and bathed in prayer. Who's on the band is going to have to be bathed in prayer of who's bringing those people in. Because we're just thinking God's going to do it. But I'm seeing more now that the realm of the spirit is moving so fast with our natural realm, but we can't see it. But, it's on, but the spirit realm is almost like moving quicker. But you're going to have to go there and pull it into here. Because everything in heaven was already, the Bible says that from the foundation of the world, Jesus was already crucified. Well, what happened? All, he, all what happened was is through the prophets prophesying and praying that the Messiah would come, all they did was take the plan of God from heaven and pull it into earth. What was already set, the foundation of Jesus being crucified was already there. So your life was already written out, the day, all your days, what you'd be doing. But without praying in the Holy Ghost, you're not bringing that into this realm. So, because there's, um, there's a couple quotes, but I'll read those later. So Jesus is our intercessor in heaven. The Holy Spirit is our intercessor in our heart. When we yield to the Holy Spirit and pray, we yield to the Holy Spirit in our heart. He can connect us with the intercession of Jesus in heaven. That's by Mark Hankins. I'll say that again. Jesus is our intercessor in heaven. The Holy Spirit is the intercessor in our heart. When we yield to the Holy Spirit and pray, we yield to the Holy Spirit that is in our heart. Then he connects us with the intercession that Jesus is having in heaven. So praying in the Holy Spirit is connecting us to Jesus in heaven and the prayers that he's praying. So I want to I wanna read um, Mark 9, 1 through 29. But while you're, you're going there, I'll just share some scriptures about Jesus praying. So even though he was God, it says in Matthew 4, 14, 23, after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, there he was alone. Luke 5, 16, he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Mark 1, 35, and rising very early in the morning while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Mark 6, 46, and after he had taken the leave of them, he went up to the mountain to do what? To pray. So Jesus, being God, the Son of God, God in the flesh, still withdrew and did what? He prayed. He prayed out the plan of God for the cross and what was going to happen. So if Jesus was praying, there's no way you're not going to pray and expect to complete the will of God for your life. And so I love uh, Mark 9, 1 through 29. And surely I say to them that, let's see if I want to start there. Uh, Standing here will not taste death till they see the kingdom of God present with power. Now after six days, Jesus took Peter... James and John, and led them up on a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. His clothes became shining, exceedingly white like snow, such as no launder on earth can whiten them. And Elijah appeared to them with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. Then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, it's not good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah. So what we have here is we have the unseen realm coming into the realm of the seen. And I believe that was birthed through Jesus' prayer life. You got Elijah and Moses showing up, and they're talking to Jesus. So that realm is very real because you can see that it, it literally came in on the mountain, and then it disappeared. So then um, they come down the mountain. And so 14, when they'd come to the disciples, he saw a great multitude around them, scribes disputing with them. Immediately he saw them, and all people were greatly amazed and running to him. He asked the scribes, what are they discussing? Um, so he said, 
One of them answered, and teacher, I brought my son, you my son who has a mute spirit, and whoever seizes him throws him down and foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. So I spoke to your disciples, they should cast them out, but they could not. He answered them and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. They brought him uh, to him, and when they saw, immediately the spirit convulsed him and fell to the ground and wallowed, foaming at the mouth. So he asked his father, how long has this been happening? And so later on, I'm going to go down. He commands, he uses his authority, which is a different type of prayer. Deaf and dumb spirit, I command you to come out, enter him no more, verse 25. Spirit cried out, convulsed greatly, came out of him. And he came one as dead, and many said, he is dead. And Jesus took him by the hand, lifted him up, rose. And when he had come into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why could we not cast it out? He said, this kind comes out by nothing but prayer and fasting. If you want the power of God, you're going to prayer, pray and fast. You're going to take times of your life. You're, you're going to stop. You're going to skip some meals. You're going to pray if you want this. And another type of prayer that Jesus was using was not, if it be thy will, but he was using the authority. He just commanded the spirit. He said, come out of him in Jesus' name. That is called the authority of the believer. And so we see that Jesus was a big proponent of praying and prayer and fasting. And that's why a lot of the miracles that he did came from his prayer life, his time in fellowship with God. And if we're going to see that in our own lives, we're going to have more time in fellowship with God. And uh, I already read Ephesians 6, but your answer is in the Spirit. 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 10. On the contrary, the Spirit says, this is going to be the Amplified translation, what eye has not seen or ear has not heard has not entered into the heart of man that God has prepared, made ready for those who love him, who hold an affectionate reverence, talking about the awe of God, the fear of God, then promptly obeying him. So then there's obedience, gratefully recognizing his benefits that he's bestowed. Yet to us, God has unveiled and revealed them through his spirit. Where is the answer? Through his spirit. For the Holy Spirit searches diligently, exploring and examining everything, even sounding the profounding in the bottomless things of God, the divine counsels and things hidden beyond man's scrutiny. So he's saying that the Holy Spirit is going into the unseen realms, the bottomlessness of things of God, the divine counsels. He's examining and exploring everything, and that is where we're getting this wisdom from. But it's only going to be times in the Spirit that you're even going to see the hidden things, that you're going to see things that most people won't see that, are deal- that somebody's dealing with. And so um, <clears throat> I had another situation the other day where I woke up and uh, I was off my morning schedule, and I was kind of upset about that because I was wanting to be on a schedule. And then I went to go get this watch fixed that dad gave me, and the guy was taking too long behind the counter, and I was like, oh, man, I got to get on with my day. I got to go to the gym. I got to get out of here. I got stuff to do in the property. But my time, I'm getting held up. Every time I go somewhere, it's like a roadblock. So I finally get to the gym, and I'm working out, and I'm like, oh, this day's over. I'm like, it's just too late. I pull out, and one of my best friends from high school, he's driving his truck across. So I call him. I said, hey. I said, he goes, do you see me? I said, yeah. Who doesn't see a big old white lifted Tacoma with all the outdoor stuff on it, stickers, and he's whatever, lifted truck company thing that he does. So he said, well, pull in a Harbor Freight. I'd love to see you. So I pull in. But what was that? It was a divine appointment right on time. I'm right. On, I'm praying in the Holy Ghost. I'm upset because my day's not going the way I thought it was going to go. I had been up a little bit late the night before. I was, me and Josh were hanging out. And then I, I got home. I woke up late, and I'm already like, oh, I got to get moving. And everything is blocking me. And then, boom, right on time, my truck, his truck, call him. 30 minutes, 45 minutes, him and I talking Harbor Freight, and he's just, um, all this stuff happening in the world today, and, I, and he's a Christian because I got him born again. And I, I said, why don't we look that Jesus is coming soon and be happy about that? I mean, I'm just giving him the word at this point, that the millennial reign is going to start. This is all, this is a vapor. It's going to pass away soon. Your life, what you're doing now, this is all going to go away, and we're going to be in a new time with Jesus very soon, and that's what we should be preparing for, and so he kind of, he softened up, and, but I, I thought, Lord, that is crazy, that birthing time in the Spirit set me up for a, I mean, I didn't call him and make this happen, it just, he had passed me, and I saw his truck, and boom, the right time, the right place, birth and prayer in the Spirit, so there's times you're praying, and the more times you're praying, you're going to see, it's, it's kind of like God's like the master chess player, and he's like the time maker. 
And so you're moving throughout the day, and you have no idea this is doing this. And sometimes I believe, and I do believe Satan is trying to, to stop you. But there's times God is setting you up for something, and your plan, your purpose is that I get home and mow the grass, clean the yard, and God's saying, my plan is that this person hears this about my word. And so what's more important? What are the works at the great white throne judgment that are going to be burned up? Stuff that doesn't matter, like mowing your grass and, you know, washing your car, which needs to be done. I mean, it's, you know. But what does matter is with the word that's sown into people. And God is always setting us up if we're willing and we're ready and we're listening. And so to me, I thought, you know, I did the will of God that day. Even though I did nothing today, I felt, except for stop and talk to one friend. But I really felt like my whole day was a waste, but really it wasn't. Because if I did what God told me to do that day, then I've accomplished the will of God for that day. But that only happens when you're praying these things out. Because nothing in the realm of the spirit like Daniel is moving until you start bathing it with prayer. The children of Israel, I mean, it's sad to say that not one of them even, God only visited Daniel. One person who was listening. They would have probably stayed in exile for how many more years? God's will was never for them to be in the, the desert for 40 years, but they chose that. So being un, unsensitive to God, not like Dad says, it's not a waste of time. Uh, Jeannie, not Jeannie Wilkerson, Annette Caps, she said, or somebody said this, it's you're waking up every day and you're meeting with the master of the universe. What better time spent meeting with the man, the God who created everything? That's not a waste of your time. Prayer is not a waste of time. And things that the Holy Ghost can do more for you in five minutes than it could take you 40 years to do. And people are thinking, if I can work harder and I can just do A, B, C, and D, and I get all my ducks in a row, which and then some truck comes and knocks all your ducks off, and you're, you know what I mean? And you're like, well, I didn't see that coming. But if you pray in the Spirit, it's like you're taking shortcuts. But people think that praying in the Holy Ghost I mean, Brother Hagin would pray in the spirit for one hour. He would purpose, and then Satan would come to him and say, you know, you're wasting your time. You should really be preparing your sermon. And the more the devil would talk to him and say, you're, you're just you're wasting your time, then he'd pray two hours, three hours, four hours. And he said, it's interesting to me that the Satan is not scared of my sermon, but he is scared of the Holy Ghost. He is scared of the power of God. So he says once he pushed, now I'm not saying that, if the Holy Spirit leads you to pray five hours, let me know what happens. <laughs> but he said he hit a gusher in the Spirit. From that day forward, every time he got up to minister, he was, when he'd start praying in the Holy Ghost, he was instantly in the Spirit from that day forward. And so he said, I thought it was so interesting that Satan was always trying to get me to go prepare my sermon. And he, but he, one thing he feared the most was my time praying in the Holy Ghost. And so um, we know that there's different kinds of prayer, Ephesians 6.18. The Moffat translation says, with all manners of prayer um, or praying with all types and different kinds of prayer. And so Jesus did pray the if it be thy will pray, uh, prayer, but he didn't pray it every time. So he said, and because, and, um, you know, there's times where you say, if it be thy will, do I move to this city and do this or that? That's not a promise in the Bible like Dad says to where God said, Justin Morgan will live in Mount Dora, Florida, and he will work at Word of Life Church. That's not in there. So that's where you pray, if it be thy will. James 1 says, if you say, I'm going to the city, I'll make profit one year and return. He said, that's sin. For if it be the Lord's will, I'll go to the city, work one year, and make profit and return. And so, but then with Lazarus, he just said, I just thank you that you've heard me. Now, Lazarus, come forth. He didn't pray if on this prayer. Why? Because this is the prayer of faith. So you got the prayer of faith. you got the prayer. Um, he, did, he did pray. In the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Father, if it be thy will, remove this cup from me that I wouldn't take this, the, 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 what was going to happen at the cross. So he was asking God, can this change? If this be, because this is where the direction I'm heading for my life, can this be adjusted? And God said, no, it cannot. So you have the prayer of faith. You have the prayer of salvation. That's just where people get born again, Romans 10, 9. You have the prayer of consecration. You got prayer and fasting. You got praying and ministering to the Lord. Acts 13, it says that when they would pray to minister to the Lord, the manifested presence showed up. You got praising the Lord. And uh, praising the Lord actually has a lot to do with deliverance. Paul and Silas praising and singing praises to God. They were delivered out of the jail cell. Chronicles um, said that the, the Lord set ambushments against the Moabs. 
uh, against for the children of Israel when they were praising and worshiping the Lord. So uh, praising and worshiping God actually has a lot to do with deliverance in your life. If you look through the Bible of what happens when someone praises and worship, not only did the chains break off of Paul and Silas, but the chains broke off of all the prisoners and set them all free. So praising the Lord and worshiping the Lord can actually break deliverance for people that are around you. There, there was united prayer in Acts 4.23 where it says that they saw the threats of the city. And they said, they, they said look, the nations rage and gather against your um, and uh, yeah, being let go, they went to their own companions, reported that all the chief priests and the elders had said to them, next, 24. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together with one united mind to God and said, O sovereign Lord, you are he who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything that is in them. But it, who is by the mouth of our forefather David? And let's see, uh, the, the people rage. The kings of the earth will take their stand against us. The rulers were assembled and combined. And so basically this prayer, after the city had kicked them out, and they prayed, and it says that then they, sh then what was the next one? It says the earth shook right after this united prayer. So the people of the city were plotting against the church, and the church had what? A united corporate prayer. It did what? It shook the entire city. So that is a, uh, a united type of praying. Then there's the prayer of Revelation, Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 3, where he's saying that you're, you'd have a, you're be flooded with light. You would know what is the width, the depth, the, to the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. And so you'd be filled with all the fullness of God. So that's the prayer of Revelation in Ephesians 1, 3. Um, Philippians 1, 19 has it. Then you're praying for the lost. That's intercession prayer. You're standing in the gap for somebody. You're saying, Lord, uh, you desire that all men would be saved. I'm asking you to draw this person to you, Satan. I take authority over you. Get off this person in Jesus' name, that the light of the gospel would shine on their eyes, that the veil would be removed. So there's, uh, that's called praying for the lost. Then there's praying for the believers, which Brother Hagin was doing for his sister. It was praying the prayer of faith over him. You pray in Ephesians 1 and 3 that God would give your fellow believer a revelation of God, that they would get a revelation of the love of God, that they would grow up and mature in the Lord. So that's Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3, Colossians 1. That's a prayer for believers. You're not going to pray for a believer like you're praying for a lost person. Believers are already born again. They don't need to receive Jesus. Um, then, you got, that's, uh, then you have the authority type of praying. Where Luke 10, 19, I've given you authority over all power of the enemy. You can walk among stakes, scorpions, and crush them. Nothing will injure you. That's the New Living Translation. And uh, I love something Mary Fran said to me about power and authority. That she said if, if you don't like a gun, like instructions to a gun, you'll either wield it or you're going to yield it. She was saying she was at a training one time and they were shooting her and a couple of her lady friends. And she just couldn't do it. It was just too hard shooting in the guns, just flying out of her hand. She's just, I can't do it. And he said, you're either going to wield this gun or you'll yield it to the enemy. Because he'll come in your house, he'll take your gun from you, and he'll use it on you. And she said, that's interesting. Because that's what Satan does to believers who don't know that Jesus says, behold, I give you the power to trample on all scorpions and all powers of the enemy. And you'll crush them and nothing will injure you. And when you don't use your authority during the week... Satan, get off my day. Every attack you have against me today, I, I bind it in Jesus' name. I call it to come to nothing. Amen. You won't touch my church today. You won't touch my family. Yes, today's going to, like Pastor said, prophesy your day. Today's going to be a good day in Jesus' name. If you don't wield the authority, you're going to yield the authority. Because Satan's going to use it. He knows about it. He's in the unseen realm. He sees all the secrets. And so when you're just kind of, well, I hope everything turns out okay, it's not going to turn out okay. Because somebody up there knows a lot more of Satan about the realm of darkness and light than you do, and he's using it against you. All these people are like, I just have a bad luck streak. No, you might have a devil streak that just <laughs> keeps coming after you. And um, she said there's a lot of um, power and authority go together. It takes power. Oh, it takes authority to wield power, or you're limited. Authority is instruction and discipline. And she said church is the schooling where you learn how to have it. And so you need authority, which is instruction, it's discipline. And then she says, then you have fellowship, which is, increases your faith ability, your fellowship with the Father, your fellowship with believers, your fellowship uh, in church, being equipped. And so power, authority, your fellowship, all that goes um, together. And that's something that the body of Christ really needs to learn how and how to do it. Because there's all types of praying that you can do. 
And those are just a couple of them that I, that I mentioned. And uh, Brother Hagen has a book called Prayer Secrets, uh, Prayer Secret, Secrets, Praying to Get Results. And he goes over the majority of the types of prayer that you can pray for your family, that you can pray over yourself, that you're praying over people, and how to pray. Because the Bible says all types, praying always with all types of prayer and supplication towards him. Then Jude 1.20, praying in the Holy Ghost, which does what? Builds you up. It enriches your faith. I want to read, uh, what time is it right now? 7.58, sweet. Still got, still got time. I love this, um, the Holy Spirit is a genius book. And he talks about the code talkers, the Navajo code talkers in, in this book. And he said that, with a prayer language, spirit-filled believers worship God, but they can also declare holy information, activate heaven's troops, send reinforcements. Just as the Navajo code talkers were protected by the Marines, and every believer has angels protected them. During World War II, the, um, I think it was the Japanese were intercepting the transmissions, and the Navajo had their own language, and they would code talk, and they were striking um, the, the ships, and, and they, nobody could figure out what this language was that was, it was sending this very vital information that the, in, that the Indians had on their own. And so he likens that, that when you're praying in the Spirit, you're declaring holy information, and you're activating heaven's troops, and you're sending reinforcements. Amen. And so when you're praying in the Holy Ghost, angels are moving, and you're code-talking to heaven. Like he was saying, you're, you're mixing with the intercession that Jesus is already making, and that prayer is flowing out of you into heaven, and it's getting in alignment with what Jesus is doing on the earth. That's why when I started saying, man, there's either I'm like just nailing it on the time of when I'm supposed to be at places, or I'm in sync with some, another realm that's moving right now. And I believe that it, it just, there's, I have story after story of that when I'm doing things, that it's just the right time shows up, the right person that I need to talk to, or the Lord shows me a dream, and boom, a couple months later it happens, and I'm like, okay, I'm listening, but it, they're being birthed in the unseen realm. And so, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue, 1 Corinthians 14, 2 says, he doesn't speak unto men, but he speaks unto God, for no man understands him, how it be in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. And um, I love that scripture. Um, there's a couple quotes about the Holy Spirit. We know that worry kills prayer, your life of prayer. Um, when you start fretting and you're not giving it to God and you're trying to take back hold of it, worrying can kill prayer. Say, circumstances bring, uh, can kill your prayer when you're looking too much at what is happening in front of you and you're not looking at the word. And um, I already talked about that. Quotes on the Holy Spirit. I see everything, this is from Smith Wigglesworth's book, Ever Increasing Faith. I see everything as a failure except that which is done in the Spirit. You can do more in one year if you are filled with the Holy Spirit than you can do 50 years apart from him. It is impossible to overestimate the importance of being filled with the Holy Spirit. There is nothing to the man that is filled with the Holy Spirit. When you are filled with the Spirit, then you know the voice of God. The moment you are filled with the Holy Spirit, persecution starts. Anyone who's filled with the Holy Spirit might at any moment have it, any of the nine gifts of the Spirit in manifestation. I love that. Yeah. That people say, where is the nine gifts of the Spirit in the church? Uh, if we're praying more in the Spirit, they'll happen more. Being filled with the Spirit is not a luxury. It is a divine command. And then it, it continues in this book. This is um, Mark Hankins' Feed Your Faith book. All it is is just like the best topics that he has in quotes. Like uh, the Holy Spirit is a genius. If you listen to him, he'll make you look smart, B.B. Hankins. God doesn't want to clean you up. He wants to fill you up, Ephesians 5.18. You cannot be defeated unless you are spiritually depleted, Ephesians 3. Jesus didn't say come to me and think. He said come to me and drink. If you drink better, you're going to think better. So if you are good at drinking in the world, you should be way better at drinking in church when the Holy Ghost starts moving. Life wasn't meant to go through sober, be filled and fill with the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 5.18. You must have a drinking relationship with God, not just a thinking relationship, John 7.37. If, this is a great one, if you stop drinking in church, you're going to start drinking somewhere else. <laughs> 
I love that. That's how you can shut down the whole alcohol thing. One time, if you stop drinking from Jesus, you're going to start drinking from a bottle or from somewhere else because something's not filling you up and giving you that fulfilled desire that you're, that you're looking for. And so I don't get mad at people. I just tell them, well, if you're drinking a lot, you're not drinking from Jesus. As you start, he said, anybody wants to come to me and drink. That's what he told the woman at the well. He said, if you'd asked me, I'd have given you living water. The Holy Spirit takes what Jesus has done for us, and he makes it a reality in us, John 16. Holy Spirit is always visual. I love this. He turns what you're hearing into what you're seeing, Ephesians 1, 16, that your eyes would be flooded with light, with understanding. That's why I, I love the dreams that he gives me, and I, when I go to bed at night, there's a scripture that says, let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. Give me dreams and visions if it pleases the Father. That's in Psalms. I don't know where it is in Psalms. I wrote it down, but I don't know where it is. But I ask him to show me things that will help me to understand what's happening or what I need to be praying about. So the Holy Spirit is always visual. Praying in the Holy Ghost is God's bypass head operation. Holy Spirit speech therapy, speaking in tongues, is a mean of spiritual edification and spiritual communion. If you don't, you do not walk in the Spirit accidentally or automatically, you must purpose to do it, Galatians 5, 16. Jesus is your advocate in heaven. The Holy Spirit is the advocate that's in your heart. Amen. Romans 8, 31. Jesus is the advocate. Satan is the accuser. Just know which one you're working with. <laughs> the Holy Spirit brings correction, never condemnation, Romans 8, 1. The Holy this is great. The Holy Spirit can do anything except point out other people's faults. <laughs> when you receive the Holy Spirit, he takes all your receiving to a new level, 1 Corinthians 2, 9 through 14. Oh, I love this one. There are certain gifts and callings that aren't activated until you are saturated with the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 5, 18. The substance of your faith is enriched when you pray in the Holy Spirit, Jude 1, 20 like the enrichment of the nuclear bomb when he was saying that with 10% or 20% you can power a city, with 30, 40% you can power a nuclear sub, but with 90% enrichment you can actually make a nuclear bomb that can take off a whole whatever city continent off the map. But he says that the, that it, that the word um, is the word dunamis, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And that word dunamis is like an explosive. There's actually a definition that he, I mean, it is like a nuclear word is what the word dunamis means. Let's see if I can find it. It means a limitless scope, incredibly immense strength, great beyond measure, extraordinary power, enormous overmastering supremacy, incredible outburst of his might, trans, translucently great, superabounding greatness. That's, a, that's through Ephesians 1. That's what praying in the Holy Spirit does. These are, these are in, in these two books. But it's, it's a limitless, it's, it's, you can't even measure of how much power you're dealing with. But the more you're praying in the Holy Ghost, the more you're enriching. That there, there is nothing, he says in here, there's nothing when you pray in the Holy Spirit that a person cannot do. An empty world can't be helped by an empty Christian. We must be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's why... People who are filled with the Holy Ghost do a lot, I believe, a lot more soul winning and witnessing to people that are on fire, they're, they're loving life. Uh, we have a major disability that can only be fixed being filled with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit will take us from theology into reality. So where you're not just hearing information, but now that information is becoming something that you can use. And I love something Mac Hammond said. He said that, Knowledge is your information of the word, but wisdom is how to use that knowledge. So wisdom can get you closer to your desired end of prayer. So you say, Lord, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask in faith, for God will give that man wisdom. And so wisdom is taking the knowledge of God and how to apply it in your life. And when you're praying that, that's what that, that time frame of your prayer being answered, he said, can shorten because you're asking God for wisdom. Yeah on how to do that. So um, let's see. Yeah, it takes from theology to a reality in your life. It's a luxury to be filled with the Holy Spirit. At the same time, it is a divine command. It's a luxury. It's something that I enjoy doing. It's fun. It's, I mean, I never know what's coming around the corner of my day. I never know what's gonna happen next, who I'm gonna meet, what exciting new relationship's gonna come out of, who's gonna get filled with the Holy Ghost today, who's gonna get saved today. The way you yield to the Holy Spirit is the same way you will yield to all of the will of God for your life. Amen. 
Never make a decision from being weakened spiritually. You can't be led by the Spirit if you're not filled with the Spirit of God. Your enemy, the devil, does not have any of the fruits of the Spirit. Develop the fruit of the Spirit, and you will overcome them. That's just some of them. Our relationship with Jesus is the last one is directly tied to how our relationship is with the Holy Spirit, John 16, 13, 14. And so I hope I encourage you tonight to spend more time praying in the Holy Ghost. Like Daniel said, I saw the visions. I sought to understand the visions. I could see the vision of what he was wanting me to do. And I believe that like Ephesians 1 and 3, actually, let's, let's read that. Do you have Ephesians, which one is that? Is 3 where their, their eyes of their understanding? Is it Ephesians? Put Ephesians 1 on the screen. We're going to pray that before we go. Do it in the New King James. But I believe that God wants to show us more of what is happening in the unseen realm. Like he said in Ephesians 6, your battle is not against flesh and blood. Put on the whole armor of God for your battle in the unseen forces and powers. It says, rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual hosts, wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God. So he's telling you it's out there. They're there. So Ephesians 1, that the Lord of our God, we'll pray this. And you can add your name to it. So it's like the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, would give to me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. That the eyes of my understanding being enlightened, that I may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards me who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also the one which is to come. Glory to God. Hallelujah. That, should, that our eyes would be flooded and enlightened with light. And I believe God wants us to see the unseen realm. Because then we know how to pray. Then we know what's going on. We know it says that he'll show us things to come. And so I want to pray with us tonight. Father, I thank you. We talked about two realms. We talked about the unseen realm which you said the worlds were framed from the realm of the unseen and came into the scene. But I ask us that you would give us a revelation of that further, that our eyes would continue to be flooded with light, that if we want something to happen in this church, it will go through in prayer first. If we want things that are happening in our life, Father, we're going to have to take them in prayer. If we want things happening in our kids and our day and the things that we want, everything will have to be bathed in prayer. And I ask that we would get a revelation of that. We would see that in the spirit. We would wake up not just praying a little bit, but taking the unseen realm and bathing it with prayer for that day bathing it with the prayer that needs to happen for that afternoon, for the next week and the next week, and that realizing that nothing in the natural moves until it moves in the spirit realm first. And I pray that we would be spiritually disciplined to, to move these things in the unseen realm. In Jesus' name, amen. I heard a wonderful statement by Lynn Hammond. She said, she saw one time in the spirit that there was all this equipment sitting around, road-making equipment, and it was doing nothing for the church. But the moment people started praying, the bulldozers got out and started paving a road. And so I never thought, you know, so in the unseen realm, the second you go praying on your day and what's going to happen in your family and your kids, then it's like in the spirit realm, like he was saying, you're teaming up with the heavenly forces and you're, you're making stuff happen. You're pushing through. And so with your life, the things you're believing for in this church, every department of this church, the kids, the, uh, the school, the Bible school is going to have to get bathed in prayer. The, this church has to get bathed in prayer. The band's going to have to get bathed in prayer. We're going to have the right musicians come into the spirit of God. So, pastor. He's got a good mom. So real quick, what do you, everything you said was, you know, when you read in the Bible, have you ever wondered why Anna was there praying Jesus in? Would he have come if she wasn't there? 
Yeah, we, we have this idea that, you know, the sovereignty message is God's got everything in control. Satan loves that message because it's a lie. A lot of things don't happen because you're not praying, and then you're praying in your mind only. Now, there's a lot of good Christians, and I mean good Christians, and they're not in the will of God. Being filled with the Holy Ghost is muy importante. It's very important. When I first got born again, the Lord challenged me to study the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. And, and I studied it. And, I, and I, when I got, I, I, I didn't get it. And I called a lady at Rhema, and she prayed the prayers in Ephesians over me. And I started having revelations, and I'm still preaching them today. Those were encounters with God where he took the Bible and unfolded it to me. You see, when you're preaching from your head, you're preaching to people's heads. Nothing happens. But when you're preaching from your heart, you're preaching to their heart. So when I married Lisa, you know, we would talk about things in him, realities and stuff, and I could tell that it there was some of it still such a mystery to her and I wasn't I wasn't saying it the way she would get it and I went in there and I got the, my, my Bible out and I put her name in there and I mean within just several months she's God is showing her stuff and of course I got like well, God I told her that but I, and I made a joke that God speaks Elizabethan and what I mean by that is that he has an ability to say it where she will get it. He, he has a way to say something to you that you'll get. And very often we need to pray over people so that God showed them, show them the way they hear it. And uh, it, it's very fruitful. But um, don't turn prayer into a duty. I mean, if you're not praying, maybe it needs to be a duty. It gets you started, but but turn it into a joy and realize that God can do nothing but someone asking. And some of the sweetest times Lisa and I have at home is when we wake up in the morning and we have our prayer time or at night, we'll go in there and um, we'll, we'll, we'll say, let's, let's just get together and pray. And the Spirit of God will come in there and we'll just take off. Sometimes our prayer is 10 minutes, sometimes an hour. You know, we, we don't try to control that. That's not how much you pray, it's how effective you were in that prayer. But anyway, wasn't that good tonight? Well, anyway, God bless every one of you. Thank you for coming tonight. And um, something that just happened, like Justin was talking about, it just happened a couple hours ago. So I got up at 5.30 this morning because I was wide awake. I was still sleepy, but I was wide awake. That's weird. I'm like, I'm going to pray. I'm just going to go pray. This is ridiculous to lay in my bed and just look at my sheets. So I went into the, the living room, and I started praying in the Holy Ghost. Um, and so went back to sleep after that, but I probably played 30 minutes, not real long. And then this afternoon at 3 o'clock, at 3.30, my sister-in-law called me. When my sister-in-law calls me from Tennessee, well, she doesn't talk fluff with me. It's always something for prayer. So I picked up, and um, she said, I'm heading into an attorney's office. Don't have much time to talk with you, but I need someone to get an agreement with me for prayer other than just myself. And I said, okay. And she told me, she said, yesterday I was on the boat. I have a big house boat, has seven bedrooms, seven bathrooms, whatever. I was on the boat and I was working. Eric and Benjamin was there and I had $2,000 of cash. They, they deal in cash. So a lot of big roll. It was in a big roll in her pocket. And um, it had a little band or something around it. And she said, I've lost it. I dropped it. I've retraced my steps. I've done everything I know to do. I can't find it, and I need it. And she said, would you pray? I said, right now. So right now, we, we're going to pray. And so I led her in that verse, if any two shall agree on earth. And I commissioned the angels to go out and get that money and bring it to her. And um, then I schooled her, and I said, now, so-and-so, I said, you're not going to say, I don't know where it is anymore. You're going to say, I have it. The angels are bringing it to me right now. That's faith. Not don't bring the story up with anybody again. Just say, I have it. It's in my pocketbook now. I found it. It is mine. Someone finds it or I find it. It's back in my hands. I kid you not. 
the pictures on my phone. She sent me 30 minutes ago, and she's jumping up and down and screaming. Those little gifts, you know, where they're jumping up and down and screaming. There's a big old wad of money floating in the water by the boat, $2,000, and she picked it up. Okay, but I'm telling you this works. This works. And like Justin said, if you'll pray over your day, you don't know what you're praying about sometimes. And then all of a sudden, someone calls you and says, I need your prayer. And you, I was telling uh, Reverend Teresa, I was saying, like Andrew Womack says, and like John G. Lake says, like you were communicating to me, that you know what? It doesn't always have to be 50-50 faith. And for you to doubt and go, well, I know I believe, but I don't know if she believes. No, a lot of times your faith can override any unbelief in in new ones growing up. And if you're prayed up and you have faith and you've been praying over your day and in the spirit, that faith arises in you, even on a phone 700 miles away. And I said, Lord, after I got off the phone, I said, Lord, and I told Donna, this happens to me all the time. I lose stuff all the time. And I just say, now, Lord, you know, and now I know. No more I don't know. You know, and now I know. And I have it. And I said, that's what you're going to say from this point on. And she found it. Praise the Lord. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember... Our pastor's vision is this, we grow Christians. So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time.